Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, good morning, everyone. You're not sleepy, are you? Come on, it's not January 1st. You're cold? It's everybody in coats here. Mm, I better not say anything. <clears throat> um, I grew up in Colorado, those of you who don't know me, and so uh, and spent the last 14 years in Wisconsin. And so it's a little funny for me, because this is October weather right now. So I, I will withhold any more comments about weather, otherwise I'm going to get in trouble, aren't I? All right, get your Bibles out. Last week we started a new series that we're calling Thrive, and I said this last week that one of my greatest joys in, in my life is to lead you spiritually, because first and foremost, you are a spirit being. You're not a human being who's trying to have these different temporary spiritual experiences, but you are a spiritual being, and this is simply a temporary human experience that you are having. And so because of that, when you focus on your spirit, then you'll see these other things in your life beginning to come together. The other pieces in your life will begin to thrive as a result of that. And I, and I made this comment last week that all over the world, really, in the beginning of January, people tend to make all sorts of New Year's resolutions. And they do that in order to help them thrive in the new year. Well, I want to make a promise to you here today because 2017 will be the greatest year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. Did you hear what I said? 2017 will be the greatest year of your life if it's the best year for you spiritually. And so what I want to do, I want to spur on the spiritual aspects of your life so you can see how that impacts the other aspects of your life. Now look at this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. It says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. When you think about it, everything that Jesus did here on earth was to show us how to thrive, how to flourish in, while we're here in, on, this, on this planet. It really, he was the example, what the Bible describes as the, the second Adam, to describe and, and to show for us how God really intended for us to live as sons and daughters of, of the Most High King. In Scripture, he describes for us that he is that second Adam and that we're a pattern our life then after him. And so look at the reality of how this hit Jesus' first disciples. In Luke chapter 11, Verse 1, it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now think about what was going on. They were watching all the signs and wonders and miracles that Jesus was doing. And then here in this situation, they're there and experiencing and they're hearing him pray. And they realize something, something like it dawns on them that one of the reasons why Jesus is thriving is because how he prayed. And so they wanted to know, how do you do this? How, how does prayer become such a, a power, powerful part of your life that it's causing these different things to happen in your life? And so they, these first disciples, they realized the huge impact that prayer was having in Jesus's life and how it caused him to thrive. In Mark chapter 1, it says that Jesus spent a large amounts of time in prayer early in the morning. In Luke chapter 5, it says that Jesus often spent hours in prayer in the wilderness. In Luke chapter 6, it says that, that Jesus spent an entire night in prayer prior to selecting those first disciples. And in Luke chapter 22, it said that Jesus made a habit of it going to pray at the Mount of Olives. And then a lot of us know this story, Matthew chapter 22. It says that Jesus wrestled in prayer hour after hour in the Garden of Gethsemane, even though his disciples got tired and they end up falling asleep. 
prayer was an essential part of Jesus' life. And so those first disciples, they saw firsthand how prayer was a huge part of what caused Jesus to thrive. Now, I'm sure for some of you, the first, when I start saying prayer, some of you are thinking, Pastor, prayer, really? I mean, that's such a boring thing. And others of you are thinking, prayer, I don't have time. I don't have enough time, Pastor. You don't understand. I don't have enough time to uh, pray. Well, I want you to look at what J. Oswald Sanders, uh, how he kind of responds to those types of conversation in his book, Spiritual Leadership. He says, mastering the art of prayer, like any other arts, will take time. And the amount of time we allocate to it will be the true measure of our conception of its importance. We always find time for that which we deem most important. Isn't that true? We always find time for what we think is important. And so the reason why most of us don't pray is just because we just don't see it as important. Martin Luther said it this way. He said, work, work, work from early to late. In fact, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Come on, that will rock you just a little bit, doesn't it? But I think when we hear words like these or quotes like this, I think we, we kind of respond to this as some sort of extraordinary radical thinking when it hits in terms of how we view life on, on our overloaded and technologically sophisticated brains. For us, it's like, what, what in the world? How is that even possible? But I think it's really good for us to remember when you think of those first disciples, the early church was founded upon prayer. That first, when you think about that, their, their commitment to pray was what revolutionized their world. In Acts chapter 1, it says that those early disciples, they spent 10 solid days locked up praying together, and it ushered in what we call Pentecost, really the greatest movement of God, the greatest revival, the greatest awakening that happened in the earth. In Acts chapter 2, it says that they devoted themselves continually to praying together. In Acts chapter 5, it says they gathered daily in prayer. In Acts chapter 6, it's an interesting story because they were experiencing all these kind of difficulties within the church, but the apostles, they didn't want to take out time from the time they had allotted to pray to go handle these administrative challenges that were coming up in the church. And so they asked some other people, take care of these challenges, take care of these administrative details because we don't want to, we don't want to let go of all this time that we are, are praying. The reason why those first disciples could pray like this is because they saw firsthand the commitment to pray that Jesus had. And it all started with one simple question. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray. That's where it started. They saw the impact that prayer was having on Jesus' life and how he was thriving and so they just said, Jesus, you need to teach us. Show us how then to pray. Look at how Matthew describes what Jesus taught. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to actually read it to you out of the message paraphrase. It says this, And when you come before God, don't turn, into a the don't turn it into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can imagine, as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. 
With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. In prayer, there's a connection between what God does and what you do. Now, I want you to look at this because I want to show you some things that Jesus was talking about in prayer here. Number one, prayer is where your relationship with God is developed. Think about that. Prayer is where your relationship with God is developed. Again, verse 9 says, Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. See, in order for prayer to actually cause you to thrive, then we have to be able to see prayer as a way where we connect with God, where we're actually building this relationship with God. Any of you remember the, now it's kind of an older movie now, the, the movie Mr. Holland's Opus. Any of you remember that movie? It's a, it's a movie about um, this, this high school band teacher and his family, and he has all these great aspirations for what his life is going to be, and then all of a sudden life begins to kind of constrain him, and he starts dealing with the hopelessness that his dreams aren't going to happen. Well, in the movie, they have their first son, um, so Mr. Holland and his wife Iris, their first son Cole is born deaf, and they finally begin to realize that he is deaf. But Mr. Holland, he doesn't real, really want to deal with it. He's kind of trying to ignore it. But it finally comes to this point of crisis where it comes to a head here. I have a, a scene from this video. Why don't you watch this here together? Yeah, but if it's the best... I'm just a little worried about where the money's coming from, that's all. Oh. It's probably a great place, Iris, but I, I worry about the what money, okay? Me? Show me. Show me what you want. Want a dessert? This? Mm. And, and I, don't, I don't know what you want. So they were signing, huh? The school emphasizes it, and she said it's for parents, too. What, what do you want? Mr. Sorensen said that gestures meant... It's way more than gestures. That gestures meant that Cole would never learn how to lip read or to talk. He can barely talk now. He can't say two or three words. The guy is a specialist, Iris. Oh, he's a specialist who thinks that deaf people are retarded, and he is not retarded. He's Cole. What does he give him what he wants? I don't know what he wants. I don't understand what he's trying to tell me. Don't you get it? You go off to school every day with all of your children who are normal. I can't talk to my son. I don't know what he wants or what he thinks or what he feels. I can't tell him that I love him. I can't tell him who I am. I want to talk to my son. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what the stupid doctor says is right or wrong. I want to talk to my son. <laughs> I want to talk to my son. I wish we would have that sort of burning passion inside of us to talk with God. I want you to think about this for a second here this morning, because we have this incredible opportunity to talk and to build a relationship with the God of all creation, the one who created you, who fearfully and wonderfully molded you, who has a purpose and a design 
for your life. We have this incredible opportunity to get to know him, to hear his voice, to communicate with him. This one who there's nothing impossible for him. This one who's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever ask, hope, or imagine. This one who knows the past and your present and the future. This one who has wisdom to know what, de what decisions you need to make and how to make those decisions and what doors you need to go through. This is the one that we have the opportunity to communicate with and to have this relationship with. But I think for so many of us, we just take it for granted. Or if we don't take it for granted, we just don't take the opportunity. We don't access the, the, the opportunity to actually develop this relationship. And the end result then for so many of us is that prayer gets lost. Prayer doesn't become this exciting time that I can actually communicate and get to know God. Prayer becomes, it feels more like a duty, some sort of religious obligation that I have to do. That's how it slips for so many of us. But look at how the psalmist describes this in Psalms 42, verse 1. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Do you see how important it was for the psalmist? He, he longed for these engagements, these times to be able to communicate with God. He got it. He experienced it for himself. And the simplicity of all this, I want to show you, is the simplicity of what prayer really is. I don't know if any of you have ever read this little book. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God. It's written by Brother Lawrence in the 1600s. So it's been around for quite a while. I want to read a little excerpt from this here, if you would. It says, Brother Lawrence talked with me fervently and with great openness of heart about his way of going to God. The bottom line, our wholehearted renunciation of anything we know about that does not, lead, does not lead to God. He said, we could accustom ourselves to a continual conversation with him, and that with freedom and simplicity, we need only recognize God in intimately present with us and address him every moment. This will help us secure his help for knowing his will in uncertain matters and for doing things we know he plainly requires of us. He will help us give them to God before we do them and then to give thanks when we have finished doing them. In our continual conversation with God, we really praise, adore, and love him incessantly because of his infinite goodness and perfection. We must never get discouraged because of our sins. We should pray for his grace with perfect confidence, relying on the infinite merits of our Lord. God never fails to offer us his grace in every activity. He perceives our need very clearly, and he never fails to provide help. Unless, said Brother Lawrence, one wanders from a sense of God's presence or forgets to ask for his help. For the first years, I usually employed myself during the times of set apart for devotion with thoughts of death and judgment, heaven and hell and sins. This pattern I continued for some years. The rest of the day, I applied my mind, even in the flow of business, to the presence of God. I considered him always with me and in me. At length, I came habitually to practice the presence during the time set apart. When I finally saw what was happening, my heart leapt for joy and comfort washed over me. Something else. This practice gave me a view of God so high, only the eyes of faith inside me could even begin to comprehend him with any kind of satisfaction. I've quit all forms of devotion and set, set times for prayer, except those required by my religious community in which I play my part. I just make my business this. 
to persevere in his holy presence. I stay there by a simple attention and by an absorbing, passionate regard for God, which I want to call an actual presence of God. Said better, my soul has an habitual, silent, secret conversation with God. This often causes inward joys and raptures, outwardly sometimes too, so much I must force myself to moderate my expressions lest others see them. Did you hear what he was saying? Let me try to break it down because what he was saying is that we need to have this continual conversation with God. Prayer is not something that just happens on Sundays when we come together or when you sit down with other people and we're going to have prayer time. That's not what prayer really is. And he says, okay, I'll do that. It's important that when we come together as believers that we pray. But he says there's another whole aspect of prayer that we need to have access to, and that is this continual conversation with God. And he goes on and describes that every one of us, in every single minute of the day, you have thoughts that are going through your head. Good thoughts, bad thoughts, indifferent thoughts. Thoughts just kind of go in and out. And what he's talking about is turning those thoughts just into a conversation with God. That's prayer. And so when you're driving down Highway 71, and in your mind you're, you're yelling at every driver who's in the, in the left lane, instead of just having that argument in your head, you turn it into a conversation with God. God, I don't understand these people who drive in the left lane. My sense of justice is pinging all over the place, and if, I didn't, if you don't help me here, I'm going to start honking my horn and doing some things. I'm turning my thoughts into a conversation. God, it's amazing out here today the crystal clear blue sky that you've created for us. And yes, it's a little chilly, but boy, it reminds me just how good life is. These thoughts just kind of randomly go through your head. My stomach is gurgling here. I'm, I'm, I'm a little hungry. You know, I don't like this fasting thing, God, but I'm doing it because I want to know you better. See what I'm saying? It's taking these random little thoughts that go through your head and just turning it into a conversation where you continually, throughout the day, you're having this continual conversation with God. I read this little book when I was in college, and it revolutionized my way of prayer. Because you know why? It developed my relationship with God. Or my conversations the thing that, I, for me, prayer was one of those religious rote things, one of those religious obligations that you're supposed to do. But what it did, it transformed that in just a continual conversation with God. And as a result, it, it really developed my relationship with God. Here's number two. Jesus was saying prayer is God-initiated. Prayer is God-initiated. Look again, Matthew 6, verse 10. It says, set the world right, do what's best as above, so below. This is such a huge principle in Scripture, and that is God's will is not always done here on earth. So many people get this one wrong. They blame God for everything, but you need to always realize that there is man's will that's functioning here on this earth. There is the devil's will that's functioning here in this earth. There's natural law that functions within the earth. So God's will is not always done here. That's why Jesus said we are to pray. We're to pray that the will of God that's being done in heaven will actually be released here on earth. This is really important for us to understand. And so what prayer is, prayer is grabbing a hold of what God's will is and then releasing it into your circumstances, releasing it into your life, into your relationships and what's going on in your life, which is why prayer first and foremost must come from God's will and not your will. 
Too many of us, we tend to think that prayer is initiated by me, what I want, what I desire. But prayer, first and foremost, needs to be initiated by God's will. Look at this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. It says, don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Now, why is this so important in terms of being able to pray effectively? Well, the reason is if we don't see things from God's perspective, then what will end up happening is that we'll be preoccupied with the size of our problems and what we think is, po- what we think is possible. And so we'll pray out of our limited knowledge, out of our limited faith. But when you begin to see things from God's perspective, God's perspective, there's no limits. I want you to listen, if you would, please. A bunch of years ago, I was doing a prayer and fasting retreat up in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado and way up high in the mountains. And and I, was, I went out one evening, and I was just laying on the ground uh, just under the sky. And if you have ever done that in the Rocky Mountains when you're 10,000 feet up, the sky is just electric. It's just, it's, it's just magnificent because there's no lights. You, know, there's no, you don't have the, the lights from the city or, or homes or street lights or anything like that. And, and you're just so higher up that it's just like the... The stars are just so tangible there. And I was just, I was lying there, and God gave me a revelation of, of what I'm talking about here. And I want to read a, a little bit of what I wrote down um, so many years ago. This is what I wrote down. I said, it was a, a clear October night that I found myself lying on my back in a field 10,000 feet high in the Rocky Mountains. The crisp wind reminded me that summer was over and winter was arriving, but somehow the cold had faded into the darkness as everything else did around me. In the distance, a light protruded from the cabin window like an intruder on sacred grounds, but even that could not divert my attention. All around me stood the majestic mountains, yet their grandeur cowered in the darkness as an even greater wonder unfolded. Above me, as if a mighty hand removed a veil, the sky awoke. Yet somehow it was always awake, although now blinded to that which was around me, it grasped my attention for it has a story to tell. My eyes scanned the entire sky in an attempt to take it all in, but my mind, unable to grasp its meaning, forces my eyes to only look at that part which is directly over me. Millions of tiny lights twinkle back at me as if they somehow know that I'm watching them. And if that isn't enough, they provide me with a little show as one of them streaks across the sky. The beauty it provides takes my breath away. It's then that I begin to understand the story that they are trying to communicate to me. See, all day long, my focus is on what I'm standing on, what is around me, the circumstances that I'm in and those around me, the mountains that I must climb over and the valleys that I must walk through. And it's with this focus that those things around me seem overwhelming. Not once do I recognize what is above me because it changes so little, no matter where I am, and thus it is taken for granted. Yet there are times when those things around me will dim and fall into the shadows if I would only change my focus, change my position, and look up. For in that state, I will see the true grandeur, and everything else will cower in comparison. Yet so few will adjust their focus and arise from their sleepy, defeated state and see who is for them." I wrote this 25 years ago when I was going through a real discouraging time in my own life, one of those dark nights of the soul when 
when I couldn't see what was happening. I couldn't understand what was going on in, in front of me. And God used this experience to say, hey, there's a bigger perspective. And maybe that's what you need to hear this morning, what you're going through. Maybe all you can see is just right in front of you. Your circumstances are, are blinding you to a bigger picture from God's perspective. And I want you to know something, because when we don't pray from God's perspective, when we don't grab a hold of God's perspective, what's happening in our life, then we, beco we become so preoccupied with our problems. We become so preoccupied with our fears and our worries and what we think is possible. We become self so self-reliant. And as a result, our prayers become self-centered, and we begin to pray these very soulish, limited prayers. And that's what happens. When we try to initiate prayer from our perspective, they be just become soulish prayers. They become limited prayers. But all of a sudden, when you begin to see things from God's perspective, His perspective is limitless. Do you understand that? His perspective is not bound by circumstances or abilities or, or doors that you can make open. His, his ability is limitless. And so when we begin to pray from that perspective, then that's where effectual prayer comes from. Peter Lord, in his book, the, the 2959 Plan, he says it this way. He says, when you gaze at the problem and glance at God, the problem looks bigger than God. When you focus your gaze on omnipotent God and glance at the problem, your faith increases as you see that he is more than able to abundantly meet your needs. In this way, you are exalting the one who is the answer, not magnifying the problem. Isn't that true? Come on, how many of you know that to be the case? You know, when you're, when you're going through stuff, they seem so big. But when you begin to look at God, he's so much bigger than those things that have been consuming us. Everything changes when you start seeing things from God's perspective, and that's when we're able to pray effectively. I want you to look at a, a psalmist here and, and how he discovered this. In Psalm chapter 73, verse 2, it says, But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. Been, been there before? <laughs> but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. For I envy the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishment. If I had spoken like that, out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to all understand all of this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. You see what he said? He was consumed by all these things, all these things that were just worrying in him and, and just caving his life in until he entered the sanctuary of God, until he got into the presence of God and began to see things from a different perspective. And that's what happens. God begins to put his perspective in you, and now this life begins to look differently. Here's number three. Jesus was saying that prayer is getting God involved in your everyday affairs. Prayer 
is getting God involved in your everyday affairs. Look again in Matthew 6, verse 11. It says, keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. In other words, prayer is the beginning of every move of God. Prayer is the beginning of every move of God. Look at this example in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Then notice the words, if and then. Our part and God's part. Our part, he says, if If you will just seek God, if you will pray, if you'll repent, if you'll turn your face towards him, if you'll do this, then notice the corresponding response that God has to that. Then God says, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and I will heal their land. There's a corresponding um, response to when we pray, the if and then. Prayer is the key that unlocks all the storehouses of God's infinite grace and power. All that he is and all that he has is at the disposal of prayer. That's how effective prayer is. When we pray, that moves the hand of God in our lives. Matthew 6 verse 14 says, In prayer there's a connection between what God does and what you do. There's a connection between what God does and what you do, which means this, no prayer, no intervention. How many want God to intervene in your life? Come on. I don't want to live my life in such a way that the only thing that happens in my life are the things that I can make happen, or that I'm lucky enough that doors were open, or that I'm successful enough. I want God to actually intervene in my life. Well, no prayer, no intervention. So if you don't want God to intervene in your life, you don't want God to move in your life, don't pray. But if you want God's attention, if you want God to move in your life, you want God to intervene in your life, this is why we pray, folks. And then number four, Jesus was saying prayer is our spirit's way of breathing. Prayer is our spirit's way of breathing. Matthew 6 verse 13 says, you're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty, yes, Yes, yes. Now, how many of you have ever gone scuba diving? Anybody gone scuba diving in here? How about snorkeling? Anybody gone snorkeling here? It's an interesting thing because whether you're snorkeling or going scuba diving, this idea of breathing underwater messes with your brain. It's the hardest part of going scuba diving is being able to trust your equipment, your mask in the scuba tanks, that it's going to provide the air that you need to live in that and to, to actually be in that hostile environment where you wouldn't normally be able to be. You hear me? And so part of the learning process, whether you're snorkeling or scuba diving, is to get yourself to relax. <laughs> because what happens is that your, your, your instinct is to seize up because you don't want to breathe. And so you're trying to hold your breath, but yet you need to breathe. But when you try to breathe, you're grasping for breath because you're tensing up, you're seizing up. And so they try to teach you these ways. You got to calm yourself because you need to be able to trust your equipment, that your equipment is going to help you do this. When you think about prayer, prayer is very similar to this because prayer is as necessary to your spiritual life as the scuba tanks are to that deep sea diver. Did you hear me? 
Prayer is as essential to your spiritual life as those scuba tanks are for that deep sea diver. Without the scuba tanks, without that mask, it's impossible for that, scu- that deep sea diver to stay in that water. The same is true for you and me. Your spiritual life will not at all be effective without prayer. Prayer is as essential to your life as those scuba tanks are to a deep sea diver. And the reason for this is because prayer is the atmosphere in which your spirit being can function comfortably. Just as you need that air, you can't breathe underwater, that air tank provides the air so that you can live successfully underwater. Prayer does the same thing. It functions in a way that creates this atmosphere where your spirit being can can function comfortably, which means when you cut off prayer, your spirit smothers. Cut off the oxygen flow to your your scuba tanks, you're going to drown in that water. Cut off prayer in your life, your spirit smothers. Mark 14, verse 38 says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Now, I want you to think about it this way, because when God commands us to watch and pray, essentially what he's saying is breathe deeply. Spiritually speaking, breathe deeply. Breathe out the poisons, that your soul has inhaled inhaled, and take a deep breath of the presence of God. Bad air out, good air in. That's the essence of what happens when we're praying. Because here's the thing, folks. Every one of us, we accumulate poisons in our soul every single day of our life. The things we see, the things we hear, the things we experience, they they cause poison to enter into our soul. What prayer does, it's breathing those poisons out And it's breathing the life and the presence of God inside of us. Bad air out, good air in. Psalm 34, verse 1 says, I bless God every chance I get. My lungs expand with his praise. I live and breathe God. If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. If things aren't going well for you already here in 2017, let me just speak that over you. Breathe in God. Let prayer begin to come inside of your spiritual lungs to breathe life inside you. Just as you breathe from that scuba tank and it breathes fresh air, oxygen in, that causes you to live in this hostile environment that is water, prayer does the same thing. It causes your spiritual life to grow. There's a connection with God. You're seeing things from God's perspective and it brings life. It brings courage. It brings a perspective that you don't have. Don't pray. Your spirit crumbles. It smothers inside. It's cutting off that link just like you would on that scuba tank. That's what, the, that's what prayer is. Prayer is allowing your spirit to breathe. And that's why, as Tress mentioned and Alan mentioned as well, that, that we're launching our 21 days of prayer um, actually here today. And you all should have received one of these little guys when you came in, right? If you would just take that out real quick. Because I want to just explain this. Because this is something that we do here at One Chapel every year. We do a 21 days of prayer and prayer and fasting or prayer and or fasting. And, <clears throat> and we're kind of doing it in a threefold way here this, this, this year. And one of the things, if you haven't um, uh, on Facebook, if you haven't liked One Chapel, I want to encourage you to do that because every morning at 7 o'clock, one of us will be going and, and going on live um, to do a little devotional and prayer. Instead of trying to get everybody together early in the morning to pray, a lot of times that's really difficult. It's just 
a, a quick little thing. It's 7 o'clock. So if you go on Facebook and like one chapel, and you'll, uh, we'll go live every, every, every day at 7 o'clock. There'll be somebody on there. They'll have a focus, and we'll pray together during that time. It was on this morning. You can go back and throughout the day. And if you missed it this morning, you can go back and look on that. But that's, that's happening every day at 7 o'clock. Also, we talked about this last week. If you haven't already started, I want to encourage you to do a Bible reading plan this, this, this year. We're using the Read Scripture app. Um, uh, it's what I'm doing this year. We showed a little video of it. It's kind of interactive. It has a little, some video things at the beginning of each of the books of the Bible. It helps you understand just a little bit more what you're getting ready to read. It has a psalm as well, and so it can give you a notification each day to go ahead and read that. But I want to encourage you to have a Bible plan as well because that feeds your spirit. That will feed, feed your soul. So that's the first thing. Then number two is that what we're trying to do is take these 21 days and not just pray for yourself, but pray for your neighborhood. Pray for your area. And so how I want you to do this, in October, we do kind of a concentrated prayer effort here in Lake, the Lake Travis area. And this is kind of an adaptation of this. We're doing this in Kyle and down in Austin and out here as well. But all, what I'm asking you to do is just take time through these 21 days to prayer walk your neighborhood. And if you'll do something for me, that will help us. Because what I want you to do is I want you to take a picture of yourself this is not a vain thing to do, but you'll hear the reason why I'm going to ask you to do that. You'll take a picture of yourself, and if you'll post it on Instagram, and if you'll use the hashtag OneChapelPraise and turn on your, your location, then we're going to get, well, what we want to do is we want to take that picture and then put it on maps so that we can see throughout this whole greater Austin area where people are praying during these 21 days. And so that's what that section is. It's just we want to prayer walk our neighborhoods, but do it in a way that we can all kind of join together. And then number, th number three is that we're wanting to come together as a whole and worship together on the three Wednesdays in these 21 days. So like Tress said, this, this Wednesday we're in Kyle. And I want to encourage all of you. Like Tress said, it's a little bit of a trek for all of us going down to Kyle. It's on the north end of Kyle. Um, One Chapel Kyle meets in Evo, um, which is the big movie theater down there in Kyle. And so if you can just make the trek there, it'll take you probably about 40, 45 minutes. You can take the back way to get there. And it will have a night of worship down there together. And then next Wednesday, we'll be back here. And the last Wednesday, we'll be down in One Chapel, Austin. Um, those are the three main things that we're doing. On the back of this, it kind of gives you every day the, the three weeks. And every day is kind of the the theme for how we're praying that day. Those themes are the things you're going to see at 7 o'clock in the morning on Facebook Live. Um, and all these things, the reason why we're doing this is because we want to encourage you to, as you're starting this new year, pray. Let pray become, prayer become a focus. Let it become a priority in your life. Again, like I said, I want to help you spur on the spiritual aspects of your life so that you can see how it affects the other aspects of your life. Does that make sense, everybody? I ask you just to close your eyes here as we get ready to finish up here. And I want you to just take a moment here because when you think about it, prayer is the only way that we can communicate to God. Prayer is not this, this I think we make prayer this religious word and so complicated, but Prayer really is just our communicating with God. It's where we talk with God. God has a whole bunch of different ways to communicate to us. He communicates through, uh, to us through his word, through creation. You're outside and, and you can feel his presence. He communicates to us through other people and, and even through thoughts that he speaks into our mind. There's a number of ways that God communicates with us. 
But the only way that we can communicate to God is through prayer. And so I want to encourage you to be desperate to talk with God, to be desperate to develop this relationship with God, even as that video clip where that mother was desperate to talk with her child that that would become your heart's desire as well with God, that you would become desperate to talk with God, to know Him, to communicate with Him, to develop this relationship. And so, Father, I pray here this morning for every one of us that are going through so many different things, you see you see into those. You see what's happening. Father, we need your perspective. Our spirits need to breathe. <laughs> Father, we need to understand what's going on, and we want you to move in our life. We want you to intervene in our life. And so, Father, would you, here in this moment, Father, would you just come and, and begin to breathe inside of us? For the people that are excited about this year and the, and the opportunities that are, that are coming, Father, would you breathe inside of them even greater things? For those who are worried and concerned about different things and where it feels like doors are slamming in their face, God, would you come and just breathe your perspective? I've asked Hayden just to, just to sing over us here this morning. And if you want to join in, you can join in. Or if you want to just sit there and, and let God breathe inside of you. But let's, let's take this moment right here and just let God's presence come and begin to speak to you here.
Can I ask you to stand here, if you would, please? If you would, I want you to just grab a hold of the hand of the person next to you. Go across the aisles, if you would, just kind of connect between the aisles. And... But just take a minute here. You may not know the person whose hand you're holding, but would you just start right where you are? Just begin to pray for the person on your left and on your right. Come on, would you do that? Just right where you are, start praying out loud. Just start praying for the person. Just begin to call out to God on behalf of that person. Father, we pray for the people on our left and right here this morning. Come on, just begin to pray. Father, you know what's going on in their life. Father, you know what's happening in their life. And so, Father, we just say yes and amen to your will. God, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come to those that are on our left and on our right, those who are in front of us and behind us. God, that your presence would fill those situations, those decisions that they need to make. God, would you give them wisdom? Father, pour in wisdom. Give them creative ideas of what they need to do. Father, give them favor with the different people that they're, they're working with. God, give them favor in their work situations. Give them favor as they're looking for jobs. God, would you would you just put your hand on them in such a powerful way God, that they would see your presence moving them forward. And Father, we pray for those that are surrounding us here this morning that maybe their bodies aren't working right. God, let your power, your healing power work through them here this morning to revive their body, that every cell in their body would begin to respond to your wonder-working power. God, you're the one who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what we could ever ask, hope, or imagine. You are our healer. You're our great physician. And so, Father, would you release your healing power into those people on our left and our right, those bodies would come into your divine order here this morning. Strengthen them. For those who are struggling with thoughts and worries and depression, that are going on in their thought life. Father, would you come as the Prince of Peace, the one who's able to comfort, the great I am, the one who is Emmanuel, who is right there with us. God, would you come and breathe life into their thoughts and into their emotions? Would you bring joy? That you said that sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So Father, would joy be released upon their lives, that depression must leave them, that sorrow must leave them. God, refresh them here today. I want to ask you just to let go of the person's hand that you've been holding and just put your, hold your hands out. Every little kid knows that when they need something from their parent, they just lift their hands. They just put their hands out. And so, God, that's what we do. Father, we recognize you as Abba Father, our Daddy God as our heavenly Father, the one who has great things for us, the one who has good things for us. And so, Father, we want to receive all the good things that you have for us here today as we're launching into a whole new year with so many different situations. God, would you just pour inside of us those dreams and visions? God, would you expand opportunities in our, in our life? God, would you put favor upon us? 
God, would you open doors that no man or woman can open? And God, would you restrain us from going left or right when you're calling us to go forward? God, would your hand be upon us in everything that we do? Lord, we receive the answers to these prayers that have just been prayed over us. God, we receive health. We receive strength. We receive joy. God, we receive your working in our lives here today. And God, we just add our yes and amen to that, those prayers that have been prayed for us. God, be it unto us as you have declared. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Father, fill us today. Fill us today that we can go out from this place alive with you, your presence with us. And Father, I just pray that over every one of us. God, that your blessings would come upon every man and woman and every young person in this room and that we would be a blessing to those that we come in context with. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, those of you that haven't gone to a welcome party, please just go right upstairs. You go up the ramp and all the way through the rest of the building upstairs. We have lunch for you. Stick around. We have more than enough food. Please stick around. Otherwise, the rest of you, we'll see you maybe down in Kyle on Wednesday. Have a great week, everyone.